Warning, this episode contains content about suicide and miscarriage. He said, what is wrong? And I said, I think we should get a divorce. And he sat down on the couch next to me and he started to cry a little bit. This episode is brought to you by The Parlor Hair and Body Salon. With a quick reminder, it's okay to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Chelsea. You're listening to Beyond the Picket Fence, where you're invited to take a break from keeping it together. Let's get real. Guys, I'm so excited to be back with you this week. We are talking to Katie and her husband, Ryan Humes, the first brave man to be on this show. We're going to get real about marriage and the hardships that sometimes come with it. This is a large family, and since it's beyond the picket fence and we don't do perfect here, you're definitely going to be hearing some of the kids in the background. And that just kind of comes with having a big family. This couple has been through a lot. They have such an incredible message to share, and I'm so lucky to be the one to be able to do that for you. So without further ado, here is Katie and Ryan Humes. I am Katie Humes, and my husband is Ryan, and we have five awesome kids. We met at college, Eastern Arizona College. If you don't know me, you'll soon find out that I am a sucker for love stories. I just love love. So I had to know, how did they meet? How I met Katie, yeah. Uh... I was, had just gotten home from work, and one of my good friends called me and said, Hey, Ryan, I've got this, uh, this really cool girl I want you to meet. I said, all right. So he called her and told her to come over. She lived right across the street from me at the time at the apartments we were in. Well, I didn't know that I had ever met her before, and uh, she shows up at my house, and it was probably... What time was it? 10 o'clock, probably? It was like one in the morning. (laughs) Like one in the morning. And my friend invites her over. My friend's over there, too. And I didn't know that he liked her at the time. And uh, so she comes over and I saw her. And it sounds lame and stupid. But right when I saw her, I thought to myself, I'm going to marry that lady. (laughs) And so I was like I said, I was just getting off work. So I was getting ready you know, changing out of my work clothes. And then I always had a big bowl of ice cream before I got out of my work clothes. And uh, mint chip was my favorite. So I went and dished up a big old bowl of mint chip ice cream and I dished her up some too and uh, gave it to her. And come to find out, she actually hates mint chip ice cream. So (laughs) she ate the whole thing though. It's pretty funny. (laughs) But yeah, she comes over at 1 1 a.m., doesn't even know me. Horrible idea. Don't let your daughters do this, you guys. And... uh, (laughs) And my friend started playing guitar for her, right? Wasn't yep. it that night? Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to trying to serenade her. <laughs> it was like one in the morning. And I'm like, this is a really bad idea. I don't know these guys. I probably shouldn't go to their apartment at one in the morning. And I was like, oh, it's all right. So I started putting on my makeup and getting ready. At this time, Katie didn't even like Ryan or the roommate. She liked their random friend and was really just there to get intel on that other friend. So here she is being serenaded by a guy she does not like, eating ice cream she hates. Oh, so romantic. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be left with this guy playing me the guitar. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not into you. Stop. So then I start asking questions about the other guy that I really like, that I shouldn't have liked. And then Ryan gives me that big bowl of ice cream. And I was like, man, this is so gross. But we're so poor and in college and 
it was so nice for him to share his ice cream with me. <laughs> like, I'm going to eat it. And so then I ate the whole bowl. And I was like, oh, this is gross. <laughs> and that's like the funniest thing. Now, when we started dating, I was like, I really hate mint chocolate chip ice cream. He's like, why did you eat the whole bowl? So how did we get from here to dating? Katie knew right away that Ryan liked her, but she liked his friend. After a date with the other guy, Katie didn't feel right about dating him anymore and decided to take a break from dating altogether. She wanted to apply to work on a Disney cruise and just get away. I'm not going to date anyone. I'm going to go do this. It's going to be so fun. And then maybe I'll go on a mission. Like, I just did not want to date anyone. And then Ryan just kept pursuing. (laughs) He was just my friend, though. He just stayed my friend. He would text me. And when my computer would break, I'd take it over to his apartment. Every time Katie had some computer issues, Ryan was quick to help her out. Not being big into computers, Katie even left her computer over the entire winter break. Smart man Ryan was because he knew she was going to have to get back with him to get it back. They stayed friends and slowly got closer. And before they knew it, they were holding hands and eventually... Cutest thing. So my favorite thing is, I I don't want to say I've kissed a lot of guys, but I did have a past of kissing a lot of guys. But no one ever asked if they could kiss me. And like after Ryan was dropping me off, he says, would it be okay if I give you a goodnight kiss? And he asked. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like Prince Charming. Like, <laughs> he asked if he could kiss me. It was very sweet. And then after that, you guys were like official after you kissed? Yeah, I think so. And then we dated for a whole year. You can't know a person until after a year. That was Ryan's boundary. So Katie saw all of her friends getting engaged and getting married, but Ryan stuck to his rule. They had to date a whole year. And I love this so much, obviously. No judgment for people who get married faster. I mean, I dated, got engaged, and married within eight months of meeting my husband. So no judgment for me. But what I love so much is that Ryan had a boundary and he stuck to it. That's so incredible and so telling of a person. So we all know where the story's going. Obviously, in time, they were married. They stayed a whole nother year in college. And after three months of marriage, they were pregnant with Caden, baby number one. We were married for two months. And I said, I think we're supposed to have a baby. And so I stopped taking the birth control. And we didn't get pregnant that first month. And birth I was like, birth control makes her crazy, by the way. Yes, it's bad. <laughs> birth control isn't good for me. And that first month we didn't get pregnant. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get pregnant. And then the next month we were pregnant. (laughs) As I remember it, Katie seemed to always be pregnant after that. They quickly had three babies. And while they were quick to get pregnant, Katie had many friends who were struggling to get pregnant at all. I was so happy to be pregnant, but my friends were struggling to get pregnant. Lots of my friends, not just one friend. I had many friends that were struggling and wanted to start their family so bad. And I remember when we got pregnant with Haley, she's my third. I was like, why do you keep sending us babies? I don't want another pregnancy. Send this baby to to my friend. I felt guilty and ashamed to get pregnant so easy. And now after what we've been through, I'm like, feel more guilt because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful I got to have those pregnancies. It's so weird. I understand how it feels to have an unwanted pregnancy, but I also understand how it feels to want to be pregnant so bad and to want everything to just go okay. Having a sister with infertility 
I totally understand some of that guilt. I mean, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, before my sister had the opportunity to have a child at all, I pulled her aside and had to try to figure out how to tell my big sister that I was pregnant before she was. Before I announced it to everyone else. This guilt that Katie's talking about, it's real. And I wanted to get a little bit into that with her. I wondered, what were her first pregnancies like? My first pregnancy was amazing. I was so excited. Sick all the time. Very, very, very sick. (laughs) But, I mean, I still... I would go to class, then I would throw up, and then I'm like, okay, I can do this. (laughs) So Caden's pregnancy was really hard, but easy. It was like uncomplicated. So I was completely normal, completely healthy, just very sick. If you've been pregnant, you know, it can be really awful sometimes. And I think we forget, though, that the poor husband is there too. So I really wanted to give Ryan a minute to speak to this pregnancy from a man's point of view. I was like the best husband ever. I would always hold her hair back and stuff until one night she yelled at me because I was holding her hair back. And then I was like, all right, no more. (laughs) You can throw up yourself. You know, (laughs) I think the one day that it hit me that, yeah, she's going to be sick for the whole time was and we're driving home and we're we're like probably 60 feet from our house. And she says, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. So I stopped the car and there's some pine trees out. And she just starts running through these pine trees and starts throwing up everywhere. And so I just, I just kept driving home and she just finished walking home a few feet extra. And I was like, all right, she's probably going to be sick the whole time. So I, I didn't ever really feel like she was faking it because it was a parent who was sick. Yeah. <laughs> For any husband, though, it gets, it's hard to deal with because, I mean, you're like, you can't ever understand it, you know, because you're not ever just violently ill for no reason so <laughs> you can be perfectly fine one second and then throwing up the next you know and, and it's hard for us to understand so. it does get get repetitive it's probably hard because things i would normally do you just can't do back to when after kaden was born they moved back to their hometown after a few small moves around in town they had their own little trailer and life was simple katie started her garden and spent the day with her son watering and picking tomatoes ryan was navigating his career path, and Katie felt prompted. It was time to have another baby. So they got off birth control, and within weeks, they were pregnant with baby number two. It doesn't take her much to convince me to try to have another baby. (laughs) Before she was pregnant, Katie had applied for a CSR job at her uncle's work, the port of entry. But now that she was pregnant, she couldn't really take that job. So Ryan applied and was invited on as an officer. So he went to the police academy Going through the academy requires a lot of interviews, lie detector tests, physical tests, blah, blah, blah. And then, once he passed all that, he had to leave home for training. Katie was really sick and pretty stressed, so she moved in with her parents so that she could get some help. After fervent prayers that the baby would come early, alas, Ryan had to leave for the academy with one week until the baby was due. We went through a whole week of the academy. Ryan would be home on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then he would leave Sunday afternoon. And I was like, just stay in me one more week and be born on the weekend. (laughs) And I knew I was in labor on Sunday. I said bye to Ryan and I stayed up all Sunday night and Monday morning. I woke up my mom at four in the morning and I said, okay, mom, we've got to go. I've been having contractions all night. I couldn't be there because me and Katie decided I'd stay at the police academy that way. I didn't, you know, because I had to get through it. So Levi was four days old when he met him. 
But that was just what we had to do because yeah, it was only his second week. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And I just kept telling myself, you know what? There's couples who are in the military that their husband is in like Afghanistan for like a whole year and don't get to see their baby. Like, so I can do this and Ryan can do this and we'll be okay. It was only four days later he got to meet Levi. And then it was kind of a whirlwind. The first 17 weeks of Levi's life, they just saw Ryan on the weekends and Katie would stay up late Thursday nights anxiously awaiting Ryan's return. It wasn't perfect, but what really ever is? We moved out to Joseph City shortly after I finished the academy. And we lived in Joseph City for a little bit and uh, ended up moving back in with Katie's grandparents. And then we got pregnant again. With Haley. Number three. And let's see, this is this was like three babies in three years. Yeah, they were 18 months apart. All of our babies are 18 months apart. In the meantime, a house had popped up for sale on the outskirts of town in a place called Woodruff. So two weeks after they moved into their house, Haley was born, and Katie had slipped into a dark depression. She didn't realize until she was at the postpartum follow-up and had to answer all those little questionnaire things. She was really focused on trying to breastfeed. It wasn't going well. Her body would not produce, and then it happened. What Katie calls, and I quote, her worst day. Caden and Levi were two and one, and I have a newborn. And I didn't know what time it was. I was so out of it. I just stayed in bed all day. And I just had Haley next to me in her bassinet. And when she cried, I would get her out and just like nurse her. But my boys were seriously just running around the house all day. And I didn't feed them. And Ryan came home and I was like, oh, you came home early? And he's like, no, what have you been doing all day? And there was peanut butter all over the house because our boys had been so hungry that they opened the peanut butter jar to feed themselves. And um, I just remember like feeling like I am the worst mom ever. I didn't even feed my kids today. Like a whole day went by and I didn't even know, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, this is horrible. What is wrong with me? And then Ryan said, okay. I am not leaving you. You have to get on medicine. And he's like, if you don't get on medicine, I'm going to take the kids and go. It was that bad. So, Yeah. So depression sucks. <laughs> I've never, <laughs> you know, personally experienced it because in my life, I've always been pretty happy and pretty easygoing and stuff. Not that people on depression aren't easygoing or happy, but it's just not something that I've ever been able to understand because I remember leading up to this moment, you know, we had been fighting and stuff and you know, it wasn't going well. And I would always tell Katie, just be happy. It's easy. Just be happy, you know. And then once this point happened, like she said, I told her, we've got to do something. Otherwise, you know, we can't we can't continue this. I started actually doing a lot of research and stuff on depression. And, and it really opened up my eyes that, I mean, it's not something that anybody can control. And it's not something you can just say, hey, be happy about, you know, because people who are depressed literally cannot have any control over that because it's a imbalance in the brain with chemicals and stuff. So Katie agreed and we went who did back to your OB and they were the ones who prescribed the medication. I don't remember what kind it was or any, any of that, the details, but Katie got on the medication. She took it for how long was it? I think a year. I think, yeah, it was about a I year. stayed on it, and it was it did help. And it helped, yeah, it helped out a it lot. It helped yeah. a lot. The first week, Ryan had to stay home because you can have suicidal thoughts, and that, and I was, 
I was having suicidal thoughts before I got on medication. And there was one moment where I went in the bathroom and I sat on the toilet and I was contemplating if I kill myself now, Ryan will be home in an hour and the kids will be okay. And um, I can't imagine if I would have taken my life at that point because now I've lived so much more life since then. And so my heart goes out to anyone who struggles with suicidal thoughts. And that was, that was not me. I had never, ever would have considered taking my own life. But I thought, I just can't do this anymore. I'm going to just take my life. And then Ryan will be home and he's the best dad ever. He'll just be able to take care of these three kids and it'll be fine. And so anyway, I got on the medication and it really, really helped. And then we got pregnant again. Katie was on birth control and still got pregnant with this baby and her previous daughter. I used to call them my accidents and now I call them my surprises because (laughs) I've learned because we went through other stuff later. (laughs) And so we got pregnant with Hannah and I got on depression medicine during the pregnancy because I was really struggling. And I am like a freak about medicine during pregnancy. I won't take anything. And so I was so, so nervous to take any kind of medicine. But my doctor was like, you cannot control the chemicals that your brain is producing right now. You have to be on this. And so I was like, okay, 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 I will. And so I did. And then Hannah was easy delivery, perfect baby. And she came. And then I got an IUD because I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) Give me the IUD. I need to block whatever's happening. (laughs) So Katie got the IUD and soon she was doubled over in pain and bleeding for weeks at a time. And it turned out her body was essentially trying to give birth to the IUD. So she got that taken out and tried an implant in the arm. I will say that one worked the best. Yes. Because there was no maintenance. There was no nothing with it. And I didn't get crazy on uh-huh. that one. After 10 months, I started just feeling bad again. So I got that thing out and I was like, okay, I can't be on birth control. <laughs> yeah. One thing that is often not talked about is the effect mental health can have on a marriage. We had struggled off and on, same thing. With our marriage. For like two two more years. Do you think because of the depression? Yeah, 100%, a lot of it. And Well, that and I'm not. I'm kind of a jerk sometimes. <laughs> it's not all the depression's fault. I'm a jerk too. So. <laughs> I just wasn't as sympathetic and stuff as I used to be. It's beautiful now listening to them give each other the benefit of the doubt and admitting their own faults. Marriage can be so difficult. So during all of this, Katie decides to get on another medicine, this time for weight loss. I I was going through depression, trying to get stabilized on different medications. And then I decided I'm going to lose weight and then I'm going to feel better. So I got on a medicine called Phentermine and it's a weight loss medicine. The doctor prescribed it and it worked really, really good. It was amazing. And I felt like a trophy wife. Because I was like, the whole house is clean. And it was causing me to be crazy. I was like, <laughs> I can clean the house and work out. And it was, it's an upper. It's like meth. So I was like <laughs> taking this upper every day. And you're only supposed to be on it for very short bouts. But I had cut mine in half so I could take them longer. <laughs> and we were being super careful to not get pregnant because I didn't want to get pregnant on that medicine. Yeah. And I was also training for a triathlon. I just got really into working out and health and I wanted to be thin and I wanted to look good. And especially because Caleb's wedding was coming, I wanted to look good in the pictures. And so I kind of got a little crazy on this medicine. The doctor had said, if it starts feeling like too much, just cut them in half. And then I was like, oh, cool. I'll have an extra supply and I can be on it longer. (laughs) 
I can keep losing weight. It's like kind of addicting when you start losing weight and feeling good about yourself. Like, oh, I feel good. Everybody thinks I'm pretty. It's so, always pretty. Anyway, I got on this medicine and it was causing me to be crazy. And the other thing is we were having financial struggles. That was my underlying cause of depression. Like, I feel like everyone should dig deep and find out what is causing you to feel so sad. And I just felt so trapped that we couldn't pay all of our bills and we weren't on a budget. And I felt really out of control about a lot of things. Katie was feeling pretty amazing and admittedly a little crazy. At this point, her little brother was engaged to be married and it was time for the wedding. And you know, weddings bring out the best in everyone all the time, right? Hopefully you can sense my sarcasm. I've never really been good at sarcasm. (laughs) Anyway, it was time for the wedding. We went to Caleb's wedding. We had a huge blowout fight. So what happened before the wedding was we were painting Haley and Hannah's fingernails. And I got a little paint on Hannah's finger or something. And Katie just freaked out on me, like started yelling and screaming at me and, you know, just this whole thing. And and then chain reaction, I started yelling and screaming back, you know, and then we both ended up saying, you know, that. We hated marriage, da-da-da-da-da. And we went to the wedding, and we were there with all the family and everything, you know, sitting in the temple and, you know, that whole ceremony. And then, yeah, there was a reception afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk this whole time. We were at the reception. We didn't dance together. We, you know, just weren't even acknowledging each other. And then we get done with the wedding, and we drive home. A couple days later, it was Caleb's second reception. Yeah, yeah, that's what she so a second reception happened and we got home that night and Katie said, I want a divorce, Ryan. And I said, no, we're not going to get a divorce. <laughs> I said, there's other things we can try. Ryan doesn't cry very often. And Never. I, he said, what is wrong? And I said, I think we should get a divorce. I've been thinking about it all day. It's not good for our kids to see us fighting like this. This is not healthy for them to grow up with us yelling at each other all the time. It's just not a happy environment for a kid to grow up in. And so I think we should get a divorce. And he sat down on the couch next to me and he started to cry a little bit. And he was like, is there anything that we can do to try and fix it? And I said, well, yeah, if you want to fix it, I'm all in. Like, let's try. Yeah. So I told her that I wanted to go to counseling. The next day I called and set up an appointment with a counselor. And I didn't want a church counselor, you know, because we're LDS. And I said, I don't want a, an LDS counselor. I, I want somebody who's totally indifferent. And uh, let's back up. We had gone to our bishop in Joseph City. Yeah. And, and he's a very awesome guy. But we had gone to our bishop and pretty much the answer was to pray about it. And pray about it. Pray and, about it. Things you know, get better. read your scriptures together. And those are great answers and they are good things to do but they will not fix your marriage. They will not fix your mental health. You need to go to professionals to help you with that. And that was my main thing. I don't want to hear that I need to go home and read my scriptures and I'll get the answer tomorrow. I love how Ryan always stays true to his boundaries. They needed someone impartial and who wouldn't interject religion. And at that point, I didn't know if I believed in God anymore. I was struggling with being a part of any religion at all, I was wondering if God was even there and why would he give me all these kids and this marriage that's failing? Like, what the heck? <laughs> Is there even a God? <laughs> now, 
Before we get into this next part of their story, Ryan and Katie wanted to make sure everyone is 100% aware that this episode is not about judging those who have been divorced or who choose divorce. This journey is very individual. Had Ryan said, yes, I think you're right, let's get divorced, I think this story could have ended much differently. But for those who can relate, you are not happy, you may consider divorce, but you both agree to do what it takes to figure it out. This is the key. Both people are willing to put forth the effort to fix it. It was really important for Ryan and Katie that you know this is just their journey, and not everyone's journeys are the same. So keep that in mind for the rest of this story. Enduring to the end is the most important phrase I think we need to remember when you're in a marriage, especially a marriage that might not be going great, unless there's abuse, there's always that. But if you're just being selfish, both of you, because we were just being selfish. Yes, that's all it is, Bob. I think in 90% of divorce situations, that's all it is. It's, I want, I want this. I want to put my needs first and I'm sick of taking care of everyone else. That's how I, I was feeling. I was like, it's me or the highway. <laughs> like I'm done with it. And, and that's kind of the same same way I was feeling was that it was never my fault. You know, oh, if Katie would do this different, if Katie would do that different, if Katie would this, Katie that. And that's what I would think then, too. I was like, Brian's not nice to me. He's always mean and he always comes home in a bad attitude. So it's all his fault that we're having all these problems. <laughs> the law enforcement is not easy in a marriage either. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell me more about that. So you're just always gone all the time for trainings. The hours suck. I mean, you're seeing things every day that, you know, you can't take home to your family. So you just kind of have to push that stuff inside. And it's just, you know, it's it's a horrible thing. But once you learn to manage it, it it's, you know, great and just fine. But. How do you manage it? Do you get help or you just figured out how to do it in your own brain? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just kind of figure out how to do it. They needed professional help, so they've got a counselor. The counselor recommended a book for us to read. It's called The uh, Seven Principles of Making a Marriage Work. Katie had read many marriage books in the past, trying to fix the marriage from her side of things, and it never worked for long. So she decided she was not going to read another book. But Ryan did. I read this book, and uh, I learned a lot from it that if you're blaming somebody else. If you're saying she should do this different, she should do that different, then it's 100% you that's doing those things wrong. So reading this book allowed me to realize this. And then I started changing how I was acting and stuff. And I remember one day I came home and Katie says, you are acting so different. What is different about you? And I said, I've been reading that stupid book. (laughs) (laughs) After seeing a change in Ryan, Katie decided to read the book as well. So now they were reading together. We were like dating again and we realized we need to date. Like we need to leave our kids with my mom and go literally just out to eat. Not like anything fancy, (laughs) just go to dinner together and that's it. And yeah, that totally changed the dynamic of our relationship again was just that simple dating and putting each other first. When my husband and I were having some major problems in our marriage, I remember doing what these books said just to do it. It didn't start out genuine. It was more like an assignment than over time when I saw Justin's reaction and it was working. It slowly became genuine. So I was curious to know whether they felt the same way. Were they doing these things that the book asked genuinely? For me, it was genuine the whole time. I really wanted to 
look inside myself and change what was wrong, you know, because she used to love me. So why can't that happen again? Is kind of how I felt. Well, and the way the book is written, it explains why you're feeling the way you're feeling, mm-hmm. kind of. It explains why you fight, like why you put up walls because you've been hurt before. And so the way the book explains <laughs> it, it didn't feel fake. And it's really real. Like what he says about children, he says, we love children, but children are bombs in a marriage. It's like you have a child and it's going to explode. There's no two ways <laughs> about it. You know, yeah. marriage will explode, which I've never heard anyone say, you know, it's all, oh, kids are so great. And which we well, love yeah, our kids. Thing, there is, I don't know if it was a paragraph or a chapter, but it does say sometimes divorce is better. Mm-hmm. It is healthier for your kids to see you interacting positively and not fighting all the time. So I liked that too, because it was like, sometimes divorce is better in some situations. And I've been able to like really connect with friends who've been divorced now. And I'm like, you know what? You did the best thing for your kids. And that is good. Like you yeah. guys, best thing for your kids. Good job. I really don't think either of us wanted to be out of the marriage. We just wanted it to change. We didn't want to be where we were at anymore. So what brought me to ask him that was I was praying all day. I was like, what do I need to do to fix this marriage? And the answer I got was ask for a divorce. And I was like, what? It had just gotten to a point where we weren't in love anymore. Neither of us were in it. Reverse weren't in it anymore. So just that simple thing. If you go on a date, I mean, as your budget allows. It was every paycheck we go on Uh a date. And even now, when we don't go on dates, it directly reflects in our marriage. We start fighting. We start getting anxious with each other. I mean, it's just super important to to always, you know. Just go out to dinner. Yep. Put each other first. And fun dates are cool, too. Like, but they don't have to be extravagant every time. I don't think we've ever had an extravagant date. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was just Alberto's and watch the sunset and talk. I love this sweet little real moment. How often do we feel the need to either do it big and extravagantly or not do it at all? I deeply believe when we're 100 years old, we will look back and realize the small moments like Alberto's in a sunset will be the extraordinary, extravagant moments we remember and want back. So I encourage you to breathe into these small, seemingly unextravagant moments more often. It's in these moments the real meaning of life shines. And with that, let's take a break. Want more of Beyond the Picket Fence? Well, join us in our free Facebook community. This community is our secret little place to escape all of the perfection we see here on social media and connect with women just like you who are ready to be done comparing and start being compassionate to themselves and others. Find it at facebook.com slash groups slash Beyond the Picket Fence. Link also in the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. We're back with Katie and Ryan, and they are living a much happier, fulfilled marriage and decide it's time for another baby. His name was Emmett. The pregnancy was amazing. I was not sick at all. I was so happy. I got to get to experience pregnancy again. I I always wanted seven kids, and I was like, okay, now we can have my seven. (laughs) So I was hoping that we would have twins on him, but we just had him. And I was able to have an unmedicated labor delivery. And we did. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Read the books too, guys. <laughs> and, uh, and it was so fun experiencing a pregnancy in a healthy, positive marriage. I wish 
so badly that I could say, the end, thanks for coming, what a beautiful story, and they all lived happily ever after. But we all know that's not really how this earthly experience usually goes. Katie felt prompted to have another baby, so Emmett was six months old when she found out she was pregnant again. Since Ebbett's pregnancy was so great, of course this one would be the same, right? So I didn't schedule a doctor's appointment because, you know, it's my sixth pregnancy. I feel real nauseous. I feel everything's fine. And I was walking every morning and I was just feeling real good. Like, okay, we're going to have another pregnancy. And I didn't schedule a doctor's appointment for a long time. And I was 11 weeks along. And we had told my parents for eight weeks. And we were telling Ryan's parents at 11 weeks. Yeah, it was his mom's birthday. And we just told them that I was pregnant. And and everyone was so excited. And I went to the bathroom and there was a tiny bit of blood in my pee. And I pulled him aside and I was like, not to alarm you, Ryan, but there is some bleeding. And I did have bleeding with Haley's pregnancy. So I wasn't concerned. So known that I had spotting with Haley and everything was fine. So I was like, oh, everything's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden I started having severe cramping and we're supposed to go to like watch our niece in a gymnastic competition that night. But I started bleeding really heavy and I was like, this isn't normal. This isn't right. This is not like Haley's pregnancy when I was spotting. And I told Ryan I'm bleeding. And then everybody, they just gave me a big hug and, um, that was really hard because um, I had been so excited. And, and at that point, we thought we'd go to the doctor on Monday and everything would be okay. But as we're driving home, I was like, I'm going to go lay down. And I was cramping. And I just knew I'm, I'm losing this baby. I'm losing this baby. And um, Ryan was like, it's okay. So, I mean, I thought everything was going to be fine. And Around midnight, Katie woke up cramping and asking for Tylenol. Since we know Katie never takes medicine during pregnancy, Ryan started to believe maybe something was wrong. Knowing she would be mad at herself for taking the medicine, Ryan went to the kitchen and pretended he couldn't find the Tylenol. And Katie agreed she would be fine. And they went back to sleep. Everything was not fine. I woke up, I think it was like five in the morning, and I felt like I had to pee so bad. And so... I went and our baby fell out in the toilet and I couldn't hold it in. It just fell out. Katie reached in and grabbed this deformed being. She saw the heart and the lungs, but no face. They had not yet announced it to their friends on social media, but they had been celebrating with their kids. Ryan and Katie then had to navigate this loss and how to explain this to their five little kids. The family decided to name this baby Skylar. Katie had known for certain she was supposed to have two more babies, but didn't want to get pregnant again right away. They contemplated adoption, but eventually the Humes were pregnant again with baby number seven, Liam. It was six months later because I didn't want to try right away. I wasn't ready emotionally. Yeah. So we waited six months and we got pregnant right away, just like normal. (laughs) And That time I went to the doctor that week that I peed on the pregnancy test. I'm like, I'm pregnant. I just had a miscarriage like six months ago, but I want to make sure this pregnancy is okay. We went to the doctor every time together and I was pretty sick. I was throwing up during that pregnancy. So I was like, yay, everything's going normal. 
we went to every doctor's appointment together. We saw the baby forming correctly on the screen. And I didn't really allow myself to believe that anything was going to be okay until I got past 11 weeks because I lost Skylar at 11 weeks. And it was 12 weeks. And we went to the doctor and they couldn't find the heartbeat. And I was like freaking out that they couldn't find the heartbeat. And then they brought in this really special little ultrasound and we got to see our baby and we saw his heartbeat. It was doing great. And he was moving around, wiggling around alive and doing really well. That next week at the kids' soccer game, Katie started to have backaches and fell off, but just knew everything was fine. I mean, they had just seen the baby on the ultrasound. We got home from the soccer tournament and I started bleeding. And it was a lot of blood. Then I stood up in this huge gush. It felt like my water had broken. And this huge gush came out. At this point, Katie called Ryan and her mom, who was on her way to take the kids. She didn't want those kids to have to be there while she passed the baby. Not wanting to have another baby in the toilet, Katie got into her bathtub. I had the baby, and he was a perfectly formed little boy. And you know how you look at the pictures of your child developing He looked exactly like he was supposed to. There was nothing wrong with him at all. And I'm like, I cannot believe, like, why is this happening again? Ryan returned home, and they had this very sacred and devastating, yet sweet, moment. We named him Liam. Some moments are just too sacred to share. But as most moments do, it passed. And then I started losing a lot of blood. And he helped me take a shower, but I was just bleeding and we could not get the bleeding to stop. And then all of a sudden I was like, something's not right. And then I just like blinked out. And then Ryan has to tell the next part. (laughs) She was bleeding a whole bunch and she started fainting and she started passing out, passed out multiple times. So I carried her into the bed and I called the ambulance and they got out here pretty quick and they took her over to the hospital uh, because she wouldn't stop bleeding. And I had to drive over afterwards because stupid COVID, I couldn't go in for a while. Mm. This frustrated me so bad. They uh, tell me, if you want any information, you need to call this phone number. So I'm standing there in the waiting room and I call the phone number and the lady behind the screen I was just talking to picks up. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) So I was was super mad. And luckily we had a friend that was working there that day and she comes, she's one of the supervisors there. And I I wasn't very nice to the lady on the phone. So I guess they can hear all the conversations. And she comes out (laughs) and she says, it's okay, Ryan, I'll take you back. (laughs) So she took me back to see Katie and I was able to sit back there with her. And we were just processing all of what happened. We had to bring our baby with us. We were super nervous. They were going to take him because he wasn't 20 weeks. And in Arizona, they're not considered a baby or something until... 20 weeks is when, 20 when weeks. you have to do death certificates and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can see he had a tiny little penis. That's how he knew he was a boy. You know, anatomy scan is at 18 weeks. And we were going to wait to find out until birth. So that is what happened. And it was like back to back. We went through it twice, you know. And it was like, oh my goodness, I feel so bad that I kind of didn't want to be pregnant with Haley and Hannah. Like, I wished those pregnancies away, even though I got to keep them. And now I have these and I want to be pregnant so bad. And I want to keep these babies so bad. And our marriage is good. And our financial situation is so much better. Like, it was just crazy how everything happened. Like, we could get pregnant when we were super poor and had nothing. 
And now here we are in a better situation and we can't get pregnant anymore. Because I, I understand women who get pregnant and they have these unwanted pregnancies. But I, I don't know. My plea is just don't do anything to hurt you or your baby, even if you have an unwanted pregnancy. Looking back now, how sad would my life be if I didn't have Haley, if I didn't have Hannah? You know, those were unwanted pregnancies, but they are the most amazing girls. And I wouldn't have my daughters. All my planned pregnancies are sons. And I'm so happy I have daughters. This takes me back to what I always say about the and in life. Katie now has experienced and can understand how hard a surprise unwanted pregnancy is and how awful it feels to wish so badly to have the baby you long to hold in your arms. Both feelings were so valid. And because she went through both, she now has a larger heart to understand others. You know, and I say this in finger quotes, the lucky ones who don't have to balance both feelings at the same time or feel guilt for having had both. When she didn't want more kids, she felt guilty because her other friends couldn't have kids. And now she carries the guilt of not wanting those pregnancies because she sees the blessing of being given those children. The pattern here is too much guilt. We need not compare our battles, friends. Each struggle is valid. Your feelings are valid. Please don't add unnecessary pain by telling yourself you shouldn't feel how you are feeling. Every struggle is different and every struggle is hard. We had a funeral and I crocheted some little tiny bears to put in the little box that Ryan made. That was so hard. You think you're going to like bring your baby home into a crib and instead you bring your baby home into like this tiny box and you put your baby in the ground. And it's just, it's the worst anyone has lost a child. It's the worst pain ever. I remember sitting at the hospital and it's like the pain chart, like after we lost Liam and it was like, how's your pain on a scale from one to 10? And like, physically I was numb. I'm like, I'm not in any pain physically, but this pain is like the worst pain. Like on a scale of one to 10, it's like a million. You know what I mean? After crying with Katie and listening to her heart on her sleeve, I got curious to know, how is miscarriage for a father? I think there's a significant difference for the mother and father because the mother's going to feel all that um, connection and pain. And not that I didn't feel a connection or anything, but I don't think that it's quite as difficult for a dad because we don't have that physical connection. Like we're not growing a baby inside of our body. And don't get me wrong, I was extremely sad, but I also know that I'll be able to raise those two children again in the afterlife. That has really comforted me a lot, but it's really hard to describe. For Liam, it was a lot tougher for me because I had to build a little casket, you know, just a real surreal feeling, you know, that happened to you. And Do you find yourself blaming yourself? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I have a lot of guilt. I ask this not to shame, but to just shed light on the weight women often carry. I had these same thoughts like, maybe if I wouldn't have taken that one medicine, Jackson's heart would have been fine. It's my body that made his. I did it wrong. I hope through these stories, we can learn to be gentle to ourselves. 
just as you probably in your heart just yelled at Katie, no, this is not your fault. I want you to have your own back next time you find yourself slipping into those destructive thoughts. Even if, let's say, it was your fault. You didn't go purposefully to hurt who or whatever. You were doing your best. Grace is so easy to give your best friend. Now save some of it for yourself. So this last pregnancy, Katie and Ryan had already announced it widely on social media. Five days before the miscarriage, they had just seen Liam alive. And now this. Katie recounts the moment in the bathtub alone before Ryan made it home. I was sitting in the bathtub. I was holding Liam in my hand because he was about the size of my pinky. And I looked down at him and I was alone because Ryan hadn't come home yet. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awful. And as I looked down at him, this phrase came to my mind, your trials will be a light unto others. I don't want this trial. I literally said that out loud. I said, I don't want this trial. And then I knew I had to share because we had shared our pregnancy much earlier. Normally, I don't announce a pregnancy until 14 or 15 weeks along. But we announced eight weeks on social media with Liam. And everyone was praying that everything would go well. And everyone was so excited and happy. And I felt like now I have to tell everyone and suck everybody's joy out. From those sucky years we've been having, I was like so happy to have something exciting to share. I remembered how fast this happened. One day she was posting how she decided she was done being nervous and she was just going to enjoy pregnancy. And then a few short days later, I saw her long post that the pregnancy had indeed ended. My heart sunk. As we were nearing the end of our interview, I asked, if any, what good has come from these experiences? It really confirmed to me that a pregnancy is a pregnancy from the moment of conception. That is a human life. And seeing a baby that little, the only way it would survive is if it was still in my body. So I would say that my life is more rich and full. We've experienced the sad together. We've experienced anger together. We've experienced the happiest of times together. And I think, isn't that life? Isn't that what we're here to do? live life. There's pain, but there's also the biggest joy and the biggest happiness. You have to feel that all. I understand how precious every single pregnancy is and what a miracle every single life is and how fragile life is. And I've become a lot less judgmental. I would always wonder like, what is wrong with that person? And then I find out, oh, well, they've gone through like three or four miscarriages in their life. And I'm like, holy crap, if I have to go through this again, I'm like not going to make it. So I understand why that person is the way they are because of the sadness they hold and carry. So we recorded everything you've heard up to this point on January 24th, 2020. Yes, it takes me a long time to edit, folks, hence taking a break to catch up. Anyway, if you're an OG listener, you know I ask aggressive, honest questions. If you're new, don't let this alarm you. Each person I interview has a pass to say, nope, not that question. I tried to ask the questions everyone is thinking, but most are not comfortable asking. So here's a blip of me asking a question and instantly regretting it. Do you guys plan to try again? Uh, (laughs) Heavy question? Never mind. Take that back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was really recent. It's only been how long? He, uh... 
he that died. He, it was October 8th. It was. Oh, yeah. It's too soon. I can't believe I asked that. Pretend I didn't ask that. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so it's been what? Four months? Dang. Four months. Dang. The way they acted had me backtracking real quick. I just thought I had struck a nerve and felt so bad. Little did I know they had a secret. February 15th, 2022, Katie sent me a message. The reason for this reaction was that they were pregnant. Ryan and I have something to tell you. <laughs> She's pregnant. <laughs> but, um, well, there's two. <laughs> we're pregnant with twins. <laughs> Never have I ever been so excited for a pregnancy. Katie shared the news with me privately, then eventually announced it on Facebook. I have been watching her on social media being very cautious, yet very excited, growing these two sweet babies, me along with her followers, friends, and family. We have all been praying and celebrating each milestone. Then, on March 29th, I was doing my daily mindless scrolling and came across this post. The last 24 hours have been devastating. I wish we were coming to you with better news because I had really started to believe that our story was one of hope, not one of yet more loss. Yesterday, we let our girls play hooky from school so that we could have a girl's day, and we wanted to surprise them with a sneak peek at our babies at our 14-week ultrasound. The atmosphere in the room immediately changed from very excited and happy, as the ultrasound tech was very quiet and not chatty like she normally has been. She said she needed to check with the doctor and that she would be right back. Our very sweet and awesome doctor came in looking very, well, forlorn. He said, things aren't looking normal. Again, we turned to these babies, and in that moment, I realized I hadn't seen them moving. And wait, where were the heartbeats? I thought we were going to hear heartbeats, and in that moment, I realized we hadn't heard them. The doctor said these words out loud. We aren't hearing the heartbeats or seeing any movement. I felt the air in the room being sucked out of me. I couldn't breathe. He was telling us what I had dreaded the whole time. Our babies had died. Haley asked if the babies had died. All we could manage to say was, yes. What happened next was very blurred and still doesn't feel real. It feels like this terrible nightmare that I'm going to for sure wake up from, and when I wake up, I will be relieved. This was all just a terrible dream, and that the ultrasound hasn't really happened. Except, I did wake up this morning, and it was Tuesday, and all of that wasn't a dream. All of that was real life, and really just really sucked. At first, after finding out the loss, I was upset that I had shared so willingly such a personal part of our family's life. But now, as I'm looking back, I'm so grateful so many were able to rejoice with us these past 14 weeks. We had a miracle, two miracles, really. And while we don't know what went wrong, we do know that everything happens for a reason. And for now, that's all that keeps us going. Sometimes, there are just no words. The next few days of posts on her Facebook were beautiful and horrible courageous and overwhelming. How could this be happening again? The next communication I received personally from Katie was a message inviting me, and I quote, 
to pray that they would be guided to make the best choice for their babies today. I had told the doctor I would choose induction, but I am feeling so disturbed to terminate a pregnancy, even if the babies appear lifeless. I just want to do what God wants us to do. If there's any chance at all that our babies might live now, not in the resurrection, but now, I don't want to take their lives. Please pray for our doctor and for us that we will do what Heavenly Father wants. At this point, I saw myself in Katie. When I was in the hospital with Jackson, I knew 100% that if I got everyone to pray that Jackson's heart valve would be fine and fixed instead of replaced with a fake valve, meaning more surgeries in the future, well, when that miracle didn't happen exactly as I had counted on it to work, I was not okay for a long time. If I'm being honest, in some ways, my faith is still shook. Unfortunately, the twins passed. My reaction to these injustices is usually anger before understanding. I just don't want people to experience pain if my pain with everything with Jackson is even a glimmer into what they're feeling. I'm sure everything's not going perfectly for them. But when I read this post by Katie, I know she's going to make it. Sometimes the miracles we ask for are not the miracles that we are intended to receive. Sometimes the miracles that are sent are the courage to make it through the hard things, peace in God's will, even if you hate the option you've been handed, a friend braiding your hair so it won't be in the way during labor and delivery, a skilled, knowledgeable doctor with a kind, understanding heart and so much patience, tender nurses who hold you for 10 minutes telling you, yes, this is hard, but you are brave, family and friends helping with chores and other kids, a beautiful sewing box handmade by your mom years before and was the perfect size and made a beautiful resting box for both babies. A strong marriage that can last through any trial. And finally, being able to sit and watch a beautiful play put on by your children's school just a few hours after ending 18 hours of labor. A labor that doesn't end in your sweet twins' earth side, but instead a labor that adds two more angel babies to your eternal family. I don't have strength or energy for details now. Just thank you for your prayers and all who are closest to us to help our kids be able to participate in this beautiful event during our darkest hour. We're so grateful for all the loving arms surrounding us at this time. Every day is different for the Humes now. Some days are happy, some days are sad, maybe even moment by moment. Katie is writing courageously vulnerable posts daily. And you know what's crazy? Even in our darkest times and our worst moments, everything else just keeps kind of rolling forward. The Humes do a YouTube channel where you can watch them live life on their homestead. And they had a goal this year to reach 1,000 subscribers. And of course, during this darkest time, they did. They reached that goal. Funny how a moment you think would be amazing and everything you'd hope for could turn out to be a reminder of what's really important. So this wonderful, beautiful, courageous family is currently in the trenches of all of life. And it's such an exact portrayal that all the pain and joy is kind of a package deal. Separating the two would be like sorting two different colors of mixed up glitter. You can't have one without the other. And as I was editing, I sent this little sound blip to Katie within a few weeks of the twins passing. So I would say that my life is more rich and full We've experienced the sad together. We've experienced anger together. We've experienced the happiest of times together. And I think, isn't that what we're here to do? Live life. There's pain, but there's also the biggest joy and the biggest happiness. 
You have to feel that all. She said, it still rings true today. And with that, I go back to when I asked. And I'll always ask. What do you wish people saw beyond your white picket fence? I think not only my picket fence, but because I don't really have a picket fence, because Katie posts everything on social media. So, and the good thing about her is she's real about it, though. It's not, you know, all the fake stuff and all happy and sugar and rainbows all the time. But don't let others affect your attitude. And for me personally, don't look at other people's lives and compare yours to theirs because your life is good no matter what. Um, sure, you may be going through some crappy things. In the end, it's all going to be all right. So don't look too much into other people's social media thinking, oh, why can't I be happy like this person? Or why can't I have this brand new car or this house? Or Because life's not always beautiful like that. Who knows what they're going through? You never know what somebody's going through on their end. So just look at your life and don't compare your life to others. Live life how you think you should. I think that our white picket fence is just like a chain link fence because you can just see what's happening because <laughs> I am very open about what is going on in our life. I feel called to be open about it. I try and always find a silver lining. I try and always find happiness. But even the happiest people can be very sad. And even the happiest people can be holding in a lot of hurt. So I guess that would be my picket fence is that just because it looks like you've got it all together, just because it looks like you're really on top of the world and you, you're accomplishing all your goals, I'm getting all the checklists done, you can be falling apart too. So how are you? Are you falling apart? That's okay. You're in the right place. This has been another episode of Beyond the Picket Fence. Please leave a review, share this episode with someone you think it could help. And remember to join the Facebook group. And as always, please be kind, because you never know what's going on beyond the picket fence. <laughs>